Science tells us what nature does when left to itself. What science cannot tell us is whether nature is left to itself. Welcome to The Search Podcast, where we have conversations about the big questions of God and life. I'm Blaine Larson, and today, my guest is Bill Craftson. Bill's a graduate of Wheaton College and of Dallas Theological Seminary, where he earned his Master of Theology degree. And since 1977, Bill has been with Search having thousands of conversations like the one that we're going to have today. And our topic is going to be, can a reasonable person believe in both miracles and science? So, Bill, I want to welcome you to the Search Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So, where do we start with this topic? Well, I I think we start by acknowledging that there are many people that believe that there is a God, but still struggle with miracles, like the miracles that are recorded in in the Bible. Um, The sense that just because there's a God doesn't mean that he would necessarily do miracles in the world. And in fact, knowing what we know about how the laws of nature work, miracles are kind of a a shock. So I I, I think the, the topic we're on today is for the person that thinks there is a God but that struggles with miracles and the possible conflict between miracles and what we know about nature and science, how do you put the two of those together? And I would just add the other thing that in terms of what's at stake here, well, one of the things that's at stake is something about the nature of God. Did he just create the world and then let it run? Or is God like the God described in the Bible where he does actually interact with the creatures that he made and with the creation that he made? Is he this distant being or does he actually step into the picture? And this is a, it's a, it's a critical issue. So let's start here with a couple definitions, and I'm going to begin with miracle because I don't want to assume that that I understand or that anybody listening understands by uh, what you mean by the word miracle. So, Bill, what's a miracle? For I, the I think sake it's of a great discussion? place to start with definition. And, and I would suggest a good working definition of miracle is that it is an event outside the laws of nature caused by God. So there's a, uh, to me, a helpful working definition. So I've, I've often heard childbirth is a miracle, an example of a miracle. And how many parents have made that comment? At, they're there at the birth of their child. Uh, you know, the, of course, the, the mom's <laughs> is going through this tremendous trauma of childbirth. It's the dad who's <laughs> kind of ecstatic about this new, new baby and, 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 and deeply feels something miraculous has just taken place. But I would suggest that that does not fit in our definition of miracle. And, and let me clarify, I think the birth of a child does point to the existence of a God who has designed marvelous things in our world. But based on our definition that a miracle, the way we're defining it, is an event outside the laws of nature, the birth of a baby wouldn't fit that definition because it happens what, around the world, millions of times a day. And it, it is very well within the way that nature regularly works. So, 
does the birth of a child point to an incredible God who designed us to work this way? And the answer would be, yes, it does. Is it a miracle based on this definition? On this def- th- this way of defining our terms, I would say no. It's, it doesn't fall in the category of a miracle because it's within the laws of nature. So it's a more limited definition that we're going to use in this conversation because that's how it's used in a religious or in, even in the Christian tradition we're talking about. Uh, as opposed to more of a wider definition that we see in the world, and even the way that we use the miracle of childbirth well, uh, or, uh, you know, the Cowboys winning a football game or yes. <laughs> whatever. Y- yes, we use the term very loosely sometimes, but here in our discussion, we're going we're gonna to have more of a tight philosophical sense of the word. And I guess one other clarification I want to make is that if there's somebody who's wrestling with this question that doesn't even believe in God— uh, to me, that's another entire discussion. Uh, a philosophy professor of mine put it very simply uh, this way. If there is a God who can act, then acts of God would, of course, be possible. Well, if there is no God, well, then the discussion about whether miracles have o- occurred is, is already answered. Different question. So, again, just to sort of sharpen the focus, what we're talking about today is, if there is a God, many of us still struggle with the question of, but don't miracles conflict with the way that we know that nature works? Which is a great lead-in to the next thing I wanted to ask you, which is, let's talk about science. So we've set up the topic this uh, for this podcast as, can a reasonable person believe in both miracles and science? And so for the sake of this discussion, how would you also define science? Not too long ago in the last year, I listened to a wonderful lecture by philosopher Dr. Timothy McGrew on this subject of the possibility of the supernatural. Can a person hold rationally to the the idea that miracles could actually occur. And he was addressing it specifically in the context of science. And there's one simple statement he made that sticks with me, and that is, science tells us what nature does when left to itself. What science cannot tell us is whether nature is left to itself. So I'll go back to that simple statement from another philosopher professor, uh, Dr. Norman Geisler, if there's a God who can act, then acts of God are possible. It could happen. Now we have to look at and explore, I guess, individual claims of the miraculous. If there is a God, if they're possible, did a certain thing happen? And, and, uh, you know, I'm struck, Bill, uh, so growing up, very little to no exposure to any of the stuff we talk about here on this podcast. And I thought that miracles were all over the Bible. Is that right? Uh, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because actually, as you look through recorded biblical history, miracles occur in three clusters. We've got a lot of miracles that occur around the time of the Exodus. So think 1,400 years before Christ. Around the time of the prophets, later in Israel's history, uh, 900 B.C. and forward. 
and then around the time of Jesus and the apostles. But the point is that we have hundreds of years of biblical history with no recorded uh, miracle, so that when a miracle did occur, they were as surprised and shocked as we would be. Uh, I think people have this sense that in the Bible, you've got a miracle a minute on every page. It's just not the case. They occurred in certain clusters, and I think maybe for another discussion, uh, for a certain very important reason, and and I'll give one illustration in the case of uh, the cluster of miracles around the time of Christ and the apostles. It, It makes sense that if there's a God and he wanted to give people evidence and wanted to do something spectacular, which is, of course, the message of the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Testament looking forward to that, it isn't surprising that he would do something very unusual at this time and provide these miracles as confirmation. And uh, in John's gospel, he says that the reason that he's sharing the miracles was that so people could believe. In other words, this was evidence. And of course, the culminating bit of evidence that, that Jesus offered was the grand miracle, of course, of his own resurrection from the dead. So fascinating because I think that's a just a misconception that's out there that there's just miracles all over the place. Although it is important, as you mentioned, because Christianity is based on a miracle. And so that's really why we're talking about this topic. So, Bill, help us to um, really tie this this topic up nicely as we think about miracles, science, can a rational person hold to both of those at the same time? How do you understand, just really answering that question head on? Many years ago, I heard an interesting illustration that I think is helpful on this very question of blending the two. Imagine that there are some extraterrestrials, let's call them Martians, and that they decide to come to this earth to discover things about our planet, the way life works. And one of the groups is assigned to a busy intersection in a well-populated city like New York City, let's say. And they're scratching their heads trying to figure out how these vehicles approach the intersection and navigate the intersection from four different directions, but mostly without incident. And then somebody made a correlation between the light that was in the middle and the flow of vehicles. And they observed that when it was green one way, it was, when it was green or yellow one way, it was always red the other direction. And that red seemed to mean stop, and green or yellow indicated uh, the ability to proceed through the intersection. And as they compiled data, they started patting themselves on the back, maybe doing high fives, that they had cracked the code of the intersection. It's all determined by that light in the middle. And just about that time when they were really assured that they had cracked the code, the law of the intersection, a vehicle approaches the intersection at a high rate of speed with a flashing red light on top and a loud wavy noise. Vehicles stop in all four directions. This vehicle goes through the red light. They were dismayed. They felt like their theory was now in ruins. But somebody followed that vehicle and found out that lives were saved. In other words, that there was an emergency. As they continued to compile data, their conclusion was that the law of the intersection that they had discovered was valid. 
It's just that there was the possibility that that law could be superseded by a higher law in certain exceptional cases. And it seems to me that that's what we have with the observable laws of nature. This is the way God designed nature to work. But it doesn't preclude the Creator from superseding those laws at certain times for certain reasons. And I think that's a a very helpful, at least to me, analogy that we can believe in laws of nature and believe that the one who created the laws of nature is capable of superseding those at certain times for certain reasons. It's been pointed out, actually, that not only are the laws of nature and the belief in miracles not contradictory, but they're actually very complementary. And think about it this way. If we did not have the regularity of the laws of nature, you couldn't even notice a miracle because all we would have is a random universe. So if the purpose of miracle uh, of a miracle is for God to reveal himself in some special way, we have to have regular laws of nature for a miracle to stand out as something different and to make a point. So not only are the laws of nature or what we know about science not contradictory with miracles, they're necessary for us to be able to even observe a miracle. Wow. Uh, So it really does all go back to, is there a God? If there is a God, and if there's a creator, uh, that's what I mean by God, a creator, somebody, a person, a being that made everything that's here, then it's not irrational to think that a being with that kind of power and knowledge could also interact in that world at some point. Let me take it a step further and say that if there is this kind of God, miracles wouldn't even be surprising. And and I'll uh, I'll give you an example and, and then another little story. If, as the Bible describes, God is God of love, and he has made us as human beings in his own image, and he really loves us, it would seem strange if he created the world, wound it up like a clock, and stands with his arms folded and never has any interaction with these beings that he loves. And so I think the notion that God is a loving God and made us in his image sets the stage for some sort of ongoing connection, interaction with the creatures that he made in in his own image. And then here's a little uh, uh, story, uh, and and for the sake of the story, (laughs) you have to imagine that the the characters in the story are able to communicate. And the characters are a flower, a dog, a man, and God. So a flower and a dog are in the middle of a meadow and uh, having a conversation. The dog says, I'm getting hot, I think I'm gonna trot in the shade. And the flower says, you can't trot in the shade. You have to bloom where you're planted. The dog says, well, watch this. And he trots into the shade, and the flower says, wow, that's a miracle. Well, it would have been a miracle if the flower had trotted into the shade, but not for the dog. That's part of his nature. Dog gets a call from his master, and he says, we're going hunting. The dog's favorite activity in the whole world. So he's excited. And master says, but wait a minute. I'm going to check the weather first. And he pulls out his iPhone. And he flips to his weather app, and he gets specific predictions about the wind speed and the direction and the temperature and 
precipitation and so on. And he says, hey, we got a great weather forecast. We're going. And the dog says, you can't tell anything about the weather by looking at that piece of metal and glass. <laughs> and uh, the man says, well, of course. I. And the weather report was spot on. The dog's absolutely amazed. And he says, that's a miracle. Well, it would have been a miracle if the dog had pulled out an iPhone and flipped to the weather app and, and got an accurate weather report, but, but not for the man. So as the story finishes out, uh, they're out hunting, and uh, the man shoots a bird and it lands in the water. It's about 35 degrees, and the dog and the man start an argument about who's going to have to get cold and wet and go get that bird. God steps onto the scene and says, nobody needs to get wet. I'll walk on top of the water. The man says, can't walk on top of the water. God says, really? Walks on top of the water, gets the bird, and the man says, again, that's a miracle. What would have been a miracle if the man had walked on top of the water? But if there's a God, it's part of his nature. It's natural. And so it comes back to that statement I made a little bit earlier. If there is a God who can act, we, we shouldn't be surprised. You could almost say if he's a loving God, we should expect it. There's nothing inconsistent about that in his nature. So my last question for you, Bill, something to leave uh, me, our listeners, thinking about. Why does this really matter? Well, I, th I think for a couple critical reasons. One is that although they're just in clusters, the Bible does talk about God stepping into human history. And uh, you could argue about what is the greatest miracle of all, whether it's creation, uh, but, but certainly one of the candidates would be God actually uh, taking on a human form. Jesus claimed that he was God, but that he stepped into human history and took on human flesh and, and became a human. Well, that, that's a pretty big miracle. And then the final evidence that he gives for the extraordinary claims that he made, that he was God, and that through his death he would provide salvation and forgiveness for anybody who puts his trust in him, the final proof that he offered was that, that they were going to kill him, and after three days— he would come back from the dead. If that happens, the case is made and the case is solid, and it gives us reason to trust the Bible as a whole and to trust that Jesus is who he said he is and that what he promised to us that we can count on, we can trust. So this is a, a critical issue in terms of understanding the nature of God, of what he has revealed to us in the Bible, and the claims that he made about himself, uh, his own divinity, and his resurrection being the final proof. Well, Bill, those are great things to leave us thinking about. I want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening to The Search Podcast. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, if you've got a question, a topic you'd like to see us discuss here on the podcast, email us, podcast at searchnational.org. And if you want to find out more about search and what we do, you can also go to searchnational.org. Until next time, thanks for listening.